What do we do when government is the one that steals from us? Yeah, let's talk about that. Instead of focusing on winning arguments, we're teaching the basic fundamentals of sales and marketing and how we can use them to win in the world of politics, teaching you how to meet people where they're at on the issues they care about. Welcome to The Brian Nichols Show. Well, hey there, folks. Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show, and thank you for joining us on, of course, another fun-filled episode. I am, as always, your humble host, joining you live from our BNC studios here in lovely eastern Indiana. Don't let outdated business prospecting tips put your company at risk. Guys, we are heading to a recession. Now is the time to start getting your messaging and prospecting in order. Learn more at brian at briannicholsconsulting.com. So, we talked about this at the intro. What do we do when we're in a situation when it's not your neighbor, it's not some random bad guy, but actually it's your government that's stealing directly from you to talk about that today. Joining us from the Pacific Legal Foundation, Jim Burling. Welcome to the Brian Nichols Show. Hey, great to be with you today. Thank you for joining us. Looking forward to digging into all things Supreme Court cases. I know we got a lot of goodies here lined up, but first, Jim, do us a favor. Introduce yourself to the Brian Nichols Show audience and your role over at PLF. All right. I am Pacific Legal Foundation's uh, Vice President of Legal Affairs. I've been with the foundation for almost 40 years, and I've been litigating cases from Alaska to Florida, been to the Supreme Court, and what we argue for is on behalf of property owners and people that are basically under the steamroller of government bureaucrats. And we try to lift that steamroller off of them so people can continue to do what they do best, live in their homes, run their businesses, that sort of thing, free of unlawful government interference. We need more of that for sure. And let's talk about a specific case today where we are seeing some uh, government interference. And in this case, it's a home equity theft case. Now, what is home equity theft? That's a great question. I'm going to go ahead and let the expert answer that. Jim, what is home equity theft and what does it matter in this whole case of uh, Geraldine Tyler versus Hennepin County? Well, Geraldine Tyler is a 94-year-old woman who used to live in downtown St. Paul, Minnesota area, and she was becoming increasingly concerned about the crime that was rising all around her. People were getting mugged, they were getting robbed, and she said it was time to get out of Dodge and go into a safer neighborhood, which she did. Now, she had been living in her own home, a condominium worth roughly $60,000, And she, as an elderly woman, I said she's now 94, she fell behind in her taxes. She fell behind to the tune of $2,300, at which time the county foreclosed on her property, which is the county's right to do that. They foreclosed on her property, and by the time they foreclosed, when you added in interest and fees and fines and all that kind of thing, it was up to $15,000. So they foreclosed on the property, And they sold it at an auction and basically got $40,000 for the property. So she owned 15, they got 40. So what do you think happened to the other $25,000? That's a rhetorical question because (laughs) we're on the air right now. The county kept it all. They kept every penny of it. Now, if you borrow from a bank and the bank forecloses on your property and the bank sells your property for more than you owe, the bank has to give you that property back. That is the law. But in 14 states, the government doesn't have to give you back, and it generally will not give you back your property. So 
Geraldine Tyler, this 94-year-old woman, is out $25,000, the difference between the $15,000 that she owed, and that was rather inflated to begin with, and the $40,000 they got for it. Now, what we're arguing at the Supreme Court, and the argument will be coming up in April, is that this is a theft of her equity in the home, or home equity theft. And we're saying that is unconstitutional. It's a taking of her property, and it violates the Eighth Amendment's excessive fines clause to boot. Mm-hmm. And so we're hoping the Supreme Court is going to look at this case and say, you can't do that uh, because it's outrageous. And in fact, we found 14 other states where the uh, states and counties and cities have made hundreds of millions of dollars over the past decade or so doing this very thing to other people. We had one person that lost a home. They are $8 behind in their taxes. Their home was foreclosed and the Eight? government kept Eight dollars. Eight. So for a a latte at Starbucks, they lost their home. They lost their home because the guy didn't get notice of the he he thought the mail was going to the wrong place. He moved all kinds of things like that. And so the foreclosure itself was bad enough, but keeping every dime that the city got on the property and the pretty they made tens of thousands of dollars on his property. And so there a, we had a court to reverse that one because that was in a different state than this one that's going on now. Here, uh, the state said, this is perfectly fine. We deserve the money. Why? Because we need it. <laughs> that's how it works. We need the money. It's the J.G. Wentworth commercials, right? It's, it's my <laughs> money and I need it now. Uh, no, let's let's talk about the, the, the violations of a number of rights here. So you mentioned the Eighth Amendment. I would say this kind of feels like it could go into a lot of different other amendments that are being violated. The Fifth Amendment, the Fourteenth Amendment. So I guess when you guys are going through and you're arguing this to the, the court, what's the main, I mean, I, I heard you say you're going to probably take more of an eighth approach in terms of uh, going through and it's going to be excessive, right? The excessive. Well, that's that's just one of our two arguments. Okay, our so main what's the argument. The main argument that's a takings, a violation okay. of the Fifth and Fourteenth Amendments. Perfect. That government, if they take your property, they have to pay you for it. That's what the Fifth Amendment says, and the Fourteenth Amendment applies that against the states. Government shall not take property except for public use without the payment of just compensation. And she had basically $25,000 of her equity in this property. It's her property. And if they're taking it from her, lock, stock, and barrel, they owe her $25,000. They keep the fifteen, but she gets the twenty-five. If not, that's a violation of the Constitution. Wow. It, I, I'm just kind of at a loss for words, which I know for folks listening to the show, they think that's <laughs> shocking. But you, you hear this, and it just sounds so foreign, right? This doesn't happen in America. A 94-year-old woman having her home not only taken away for back taxes, but for trivial, trivial back taxes. And it just seems petty if we're going to really look at this from a grand scheme. Like, who who are these people in government that think that this is the right thing to do? Beyond the, well, we need the money. It just, from a human standpoint, how, well, how it, can it is a, It is astonishing yeah. that they would do this and that they would go to the Supreme Court to defend their actions. I mean, my God, you and I looking at this would say, let the poor woman have the equity in her home. I mean, it's... It's basically stealing. But one of the things you have to understand is that people who have their properties foreclosed upon are often poor. They're often minorities. They often live in the inner cities and don't have the political and educational clout to fight back. And they are easy marks for their governments. And so 
Governments across the country are looking at this as a cash cow. We can take property from these poor minorities. They're not going to fight back much. And we can get away with it. And by goodness, they are getting away with it. So I think it's as much as a question of theft. We talk about the need for equity now. Uh, This is certainly something that really targets those people who can least afford it. And now a word from our sponsors. E-A-B-L-E-S. Ebels. Remember that name because if you suffer from chronic joint and muscle pain like me, then Ebels Broad Spectrum CBD Oil is your answer to your prayers. Ebels is truly a game changer in the natural alternatives to big pharma drugs. And yours truly can indeed vouch for the quality of Ebels. Having a herniated disc in my back, coupled with years of sports injuries, I was struggling to find something, anything to help manage my pain. That is until Ebels. And right now, Ebels is offering a special discount to all members of the Brian Nichols show audience on all orders all you have to do is head to ebels.com and use promo code tbns that's it discount applied again the code is tbns at checkout to start managing your pain today with the highest quality cbd on the market one more time that is code tbns at checkout yeah well i mean this case it's it's developing right we're going to be hearing uh the hopefully the results and outcomes here Sometime this year. Is that is that still the vision? That, that's right. The arguments will be in the end of April, and we expect a decision from the Supreme Court sometime by the end of June. But I figure this one, the court's going to have no problem deciding this one pretty quickly. They better not. <laughs> they better not. Goodness gracious. Well, yeah. here's a one court case that is currently still under deliberation. This is from back in November, I believe, of 2022. And that was uh, the Supreme Court case, Wilkins v. United States. Jim, do us a favor. Set the groundwork for this case. So Wilkins is a property owner up in the rural National Forest area of Montana, and he owns this property along this country dirt road, and it's a nice place for privacy. Now, many, many years ago, 30, 40 years ago, the uh, Forest Service went to the prior owner of this property and said, look, we would like access so we can do timber harvesting beyond your property. Can you want to give us access and the owner said, well, sure, you cooperate. Well, here's sign a piece of paper. Here's an easement. And the easement gives you permission to or your agents to go on through the road and up to Forest Service property and do the timbering and come back. And everything was fine until the Forest Service started treating this road not as a road for it and its contractors to occasionally harvest timber, but Every member of the public was encouraged to use this property. Indeed, the Forest Service put up a sign saying public road, come on in. Uh, well, it didn't have the come on in, but that was the essential <laughs> message behind it. And uh, Wilkins became increasingly unhappy with this because not everybody was respecting his privacy and his property rights. They were trespassing onto his very property to go hunting. And uh, somebody actually shot his cat. His cat survived. But he was pretty upset about that. And he went to the Forest Service and said, look, you have to do something. You have to keep the public out. You got the easement, but it's not a public easement. And the Forest Service said, well, we'll work on that with you. We'll, you know, come back. We'll we'll have to go take it upstairs and we'll come back in a while and just just hang tight. And that went on for quite a while. And they eventually put up the sign and he said, what's going on? And they said, well, you know, I tell you what, we're going to treat it as public property and too bad. You know, that's it. We're the government. We can get away with it. So he sued. And the 
government put up a marvelous defense called the statute of limitation, saying that because he didn't file suit within 12 years, he's out of luck and he can't get in any evidence of why there was this delay because they, you know, they let him on this primrose path. So uh, the argument before the Supreme Court is, does the statute of limitations really kick in in a situation like this, where there is evidence that he would like to be able to present that showing that he really did not need to file the lawsuit until it was unequivocally clear that the Forest Service is not going to do what they said they would do and keep the public out. When they put up the sign and wrote in the note saying, you know, go pound sand, that is when the statute of limitations should have run from. Right. And that's when he did file the lawsuit from that period of time he would have fit within the statute of limitations. So it's a question of, you know, do you trust the government or do you just sue them immediately? Well, most people think you don't want to sue them immediately if you can work out something with them. But if working out means that you're going to lose your ability to sue in the first place, um, you know, hire your lawyers and go to court now. Well, we've had our friends here from the Fairness Center on many a time and the horror stories that we've heard from public sector unions and having to deal with nonsense. And you just look at across the board, a lot of these issues end up being created by government just by trying to create these arbitrary laws, right? And it, I don't know, Jim, like you must experience this a lot where just common sense seems it should prevail over some of these just convoluted nonsensical laws. In this case, it just, I mean, what would you do? Right? And I think this is like the, the part that your average person listening, they're like, yeah, what would I do if I was in the situation of Wilkins? Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to go and sue the government right away. Like you think you would deal with this like a rational human being. You'd try to be respectful and work with the, the, the people that you're trying to work with. But to your point, government seems to more often than not necessarily be rational or be, to be in the, the mindset of approaching things with common sense. So what do we do when we're trying to, to tackle these sometimes convoluted cases that really shouldn't be convoluted at all. Yeah, it shouldn't be at all. But my counsel is when you work with the government and you're trying to shake the hands of the government for a deal, you withdraw your hands, count your fingers, count the rings on them because you're probably missing something. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's, it's sad to say, but you can trust yourself, but you really can't trust a bureaucrat in situations like this. If they give you oral assurance without something in writing that they have authority to give you, uh, then you better watch out. All right, Jim, now it's time for us to go towards the final case of today, and that is one dealing with everyone's favorite three-letter organization, the EPA, Sackett v. EPA, from last year, October 2022. Do us a favor, set the groundwork for this case. So roughly a decade and a half ago, the Sacketts, which are a couple of people, he's a contractor, they're not rich, they're building a single family home for themselves, you know, a typical home, not huge, anything like that, on a piece of property in a residential subdivision outside of Priest Lake, Idaho. And as they were starting to clear the land, they got a visit from the EPA and the EPA said, you're filling wetlands and you have to stop. Well, the Sacketts stopped, but they scratched their heads and said, wetlands? What wetland? Uh, EPA, we call them and said, you're on the wetland map. So the Sacketts got out the EPA map and found there are no wetlands here in this map. So they called back the EPA and the EPA said, oh, those maps aren't accurate. Um, and so they began this saga that went on for years and years. 
EPA sent them a compliance letter saying that you have to remove all the work you've done, the fill that you've put on the property so far. You have to plant wetland vegetation. You have to fence it. Then you have to wait several years for the vegetation to take. Once that happens, you can apply for an after-the-fact permit to legalize the work that you had done and have since undone. And then maybe we'll give you a permit if you apply for a permit to build your house. Maybe we won't, but you won't be in trouble. Now, if you don't do what we say, there are consequences. $37,500 per day that you don't do what we say to remove the fill and for a violation of our compliance order, plus another $37,500 per day for violating the Clean Water Act, or $75,000 per day. They were outraged, and they said, but there are no wetlands on the property. We hired an expert by this time, and the expert says there are no wetlands on the property. Uh, EPA says, we don't care. So a dozen years ago, we were in the Supreme Court arguing for the right to challenge the EPA's wetland determination because the EPA said you can't challenge us until you go through all these procedures, removing the fill, planting the wetland vegetation, putting up the fence, that kind of thing. And until you do that, you can't go to court to challenge whether or not it's a wetland in the first place. Now, we won that case nine to nothing at the Supreme Court about a dozen years ago. And now since then, we've been arguing over whether or not there are wetlands on the property subject to federal jurisdiction. This went on for years. The EPA wanted to go in and get more samples and evidence because they didn't have enough to justify their determination in the first place. And then a district court sat on the case for three years with doing nothing. Finally, the district court said, yeah, I agree the EPA, there are wetlands there. The Ninth Circuit said, yeah, sure. And now we're at the night, we're at the back at the Supreme Court. And that was the case we argued early in October. And the issue is when does the federal government have jurisdiction over a wetland? In this mm. case, the EPA, because we're saying, look, to ha- for the federal government to have jurisdiction over a wetland, it has to have some connection to a navigable waterway. Congress and the federal government only have jurisdiction to the extent the Constitution allows. The Constitution says the federal government can regulate commerce. Commerce means things like interstate waterways. So we're saying that unless this wetland in some way touches or has a direct impact on a navigable waterway, such as Priest Lake, which is several blocks away from the property, federal government doesn't have jurisdiction. And the Supreme Court is interested enough in this question that they took this back up. So this is the second time we've been to the Supreme Court on the SAC case, and it's going to have potentially huge impacts on wetland regulation in this country, whether or not the damp spot of ground in your backyard means that you can't touch it without a federal permit. Wow. Well, unfortunately, Jim, we're already getting hard pressed for time here, which means I guess we have to go towards our final thoughts, and I'll kick things off here. This speaks to, there. there is a war taking place, and it is the, the government versus the people, whether we want to acknowledge it or not. And, and we look at the laws that have been created over the past 250 plus years, and a majority of these laws, while there are a few exceptions to the rule, have just been created to help inflate the, the, really the, the layer of distance between the government 
and the people, where the government is insulated from the very laws and the very rules that they are claiming to be enforcing. So I guess this speaks to not just why it's so important to have folks like you going out and actually fighting the good fight, but also why it's important for us to fight the good fight in impacting the lawmakers who are actually setting these laws. Now, to that point, the EPA, they're kind of an organization that just does their own thing. And I guess this is addressing a really big concern, Jim, is these unelected bureaucrats who pretty much can do whatever the heck they want, and then eh, maybe they'll get their their wrists slapped a, a few years down the road. And that's the other part. We're dealing with real people's lives. I mean, you mentioned three years, five years, just sitting on cases, not moving forward. Those are years you're not getting back. Those are years that once they're gone, they're gone. So it, it's imperative on us, I think, to actually change the way we're approaching these issues because if we just keep on going as we've been going, we're just going to see things get worse and worse and we're going to be playing more and more defense versus the best way to win the game, I think. Play a little offense. That's my final thoughts. What do you have for us? I absolutely agree with you. I think that if you're dealing with government bureaucrats and government agencies, you have to make sure they're doing it lawfully. So much of what they're doing now is really in constitutional gray zones where they're trying to get away with things that they were really never intended under our constitutional structure without any kind of oversight, meaningful oversight, without any kind of consequences for their action. And we need to change the laws both at Congress and in the courts. And that's what we're trying to do at Pacific Legal Foundation is to go to court, represent individuals who are being ground under the wheels of the bureaucracy and showing to the courts. These are, like you said, Brian, real people with real lives. And our lives are finite. Government's life is infinite. But our lives have an endpoint, sad to say. And we need to get relief without having to go through dozens of years of litigation. Here, here, Jim. Well, unfortunately, we are already hard pressed for time, which means, and my camera works, uh, which means, yes, it's time for us to say goodbye. But first, we must go ahead and make sure that folks can continue the conversation should they so choose. So, John, obviously, you're doing great work over at the Pacific Legal Foundation. Where can folks go ahead, support your work, but also uh, if they want to reach out to you, go ahead and do so. Absolutely. And go to pacificlegal.org. Pacificlegal.org is our website, and there are links to learn more about the cases that we're involved in, how to contact us, and all kinds of things like that. Perfect. All right, folks. Well, if you got some value from today's episode, you know the drill. Do me a favor. Go ahead and give it a share when you do. Tag yours truly at B Nichols Liberty. And by the way, if you're joining us here on the audio version of the show, which I know 99% of you are, well, have no fear. We have a video version of the show as well. Head over to your favorite podcast catcher. Click the artwork. It'll bring you over to BrianNicholsShow.com where you'll find today's episode. You'll find the transcript from today's episode. Plus, you will find the video version of the show from Rumble odyssey and on youtube if you go us and join us on youtube do me a favor hit that subscribe button and little notification bell so you don't miss a single time we go live and by the way if you are joining us on youtube we're going to continue the conversation with our friends over at the fairness center that episode should be popping up right about here so you go ahead click there i will see you over there but with that being said brian nichols signing off you're on the brian nichols show for jim burling we'll see you later all right bye All right, sir, we are clear. That was a blast.
Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com. Enjoying the audio version of the show? Then you'll love our YouTube channel. Be sure to head over there and subscribe. And if you're new to The Brian Nichols Show, be sure to head to your favorite podcast catcher and click download all unplayed episodes so you don't miss one of our nearly 500 episodes that will be sure to leave you educated, enlightened, and informed. If you got value from today's episode, can you do me a favor and head to briannicholsshow.com forward slash support and leave us a $5 donation? And by the way, have you given the show a five-star review yet? If not, head to Apple Podcasts and tell folks why you listen to the program and don't forget to tell your friends to subscribe too. Follow me on social media at B Nichols Liberty. And again, if you'd be so kind, please consider making a donation to the Brian Nichols Show at briannicholsshow.com forward slash support.